And so it was overlaid with brass, and the brass could withstand the extensive heat. Therefore, it would endure. And therein is a picture of our Lord Jesus. He has human nature. But human nature alone cannot withstand the heat of the wrath of God as a sacrifice. He needed a divine nature, a nature that can endure the justice of God, the holiness of God, and the very punishment of God poured out upon him. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak, and thank you for joining with us here on the program today. We're continuing with that theme of yesterday on the continual sacrifice, the death of the Lord Jesus interposing on behalf of sinners. We learned that from Exodus 27, and in our main message today, we'll be returning to that theme, going to the cross of Calvary, where the Lord Jesus laid down his life for us. We also have the hymn, Keep Me Near the Cross. There is no safer place for the Christian and there is no more delightful place for our faith to be near the cross of the Lord Jesus. But now we turn to the very subject of prayer that we've been looking at, and we've been considering this man who went to his friend at midnight requesting bread. And there we learn of the practice of prayer, that he was to ask, seek, knock. The Lord promised that if he asked, it would be open to him, that if he would seek, that he would find, and that if he knocked, it would be opened unto him. And this teaches us that we need to pray with fervency. This whole account is intended to stir up these disciples to their duty in prayer. They were not just to pray once, nor were they to pray with dullness. But the great lesson is, ask. Prayer is to call on the Lord. It is not meditation alone. It is not a thought process alone. Real prayer is to cry out, to call upon the name of God. The first reference to prayer in all of the Bible states, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And that's what prayer is. It's calling. In the book of Jeremiah, we read, The Lord said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which ye know not. Now we are to seek to pray from our very hearts, and that is to put your heart and soul into the request of prayer. This friend really wanted to get the bread. He was a seeking friend. He was serious, and his mind was set upon asking. Now that is, tells us the definite purpose, the persistency. Then to knock, prayer is the energy and zeal of the Christian knocking at God's door. And I wonder, have you entered into such a prayer life to really pray, really ask of God and really intercede at the throne of the Lord. Many people speak about a prayer life. Many people speak about engaging in prayer. But at times I question whether they understand what real praying is. And in the Bible, it is very definite, very specific. And it is always 
to ask in Jesus' name. Now, in our Bible message today, we're going to be learning about the altar and that the Christian is firstly to go to the sacrifice. And that means that our faith is to be in the blood atonement, the cross work of the Lord Jesus. And of course, the altar is associated with approaching God and engaging in priestly work. May the Lord teach us, and may the Lord lead you today into a very definite faith and prayer life in the Lord. As we turn to our message, thank you for joining with us. But firstly, we have Keep Me Near the Cross. nothing of the cross, nothing of the sacrifice of Christ, nothing of the blood of Christ, then all your praying is empty and vain, shallow at best. I think you know that every time in, in the book of Genesis, the patriarchs, that they came to God, what did they do? They built an altar. They built altars. The very first worshiper in the Bible, Abel, slew a lamb. Sacrifice, altar, death, dealing with sin. If that is not a main ingredient in your praying life, in your prayer life, in your devotion life, you will make no progress. You will not know much of the power of the Lord in your life. Because this is about communion. This is about getting through to God. And of course, in the tabernacle, the goal is to get through the veil into the presence of God. But if the worshiper will not come by the altar, dead. He's dead. Will come not without blood. It is the absolute that is given. Now, I have to move quickly here because there are a number of things here. The materials of this altar also teaches of Christ as our Redeemer and Mediator. The materials of the altar were shittim wood overlaid with brass, the twofold nature of our Lord Jesus. The wood, of course, would not stand the heat of the fire on its own. It would soon be burnt up. And so it was overlaid with brass, and the brass could withstand the extensive heat. Therefore, it would endure. And therein is a picture of our Lord Jesus. He has human nature. But human nature alone cannot withstand the heat of the wrath of God as a sacrifice. He needed a divine nature, a nature that can endure the justice of God, the holiness of God, and the very punishment of God poured out upon him. Now you'll notice the mesh. 
It was twisted wire, and it was a fine mesh. It was brass, and it formed a grate about halfway up. But that meant that nothing of the sacrifice got through without being burnt. Everything had to be burnt by fire. Every item of the sacrifice had to be turned to reduced to ashes. That's the nature of a sacrifice. And of course, our Lord Jesus on the cross became a sacrifice for us to endure. Not just the nails, not just the spear, not just the mockery of men, but in those dark hours at Calvary to endure the eternal wrath of God. And when man was shut out, God the Father poured out upon his own Son eternal wrath due to you and me. The Father made him to be sin for us, even though he knew no sin, that we might become the righteousnesses of God. The whole language of Isaiah 53, it pleased the Father to bruise him. And so our Lord Jesus endured the fire. Now, I told you that in the, alt in the tabernacle, the fire at the altar never went out. But Jesus put out that fire on the cross. He ended all sacrificing of animals. His life alone had the power to absorb the eternal wrath or fire of God in his unique person. And there is no more wrath for us. If God has already punished his Son infinitely, then we are set free. And Paul the Apostle said, Who shall lay any charge to God's elect? It is Christ that died. We're justified. We're set free. And these materials of this altar picture our Lord in his twofold nature, enduring sin for us. The other thing is that these, this continual burning of the fire shows us that the merits of our Lord Jesus, they never end. They never end. I want you to turn to chapter 29, Exodus 29, 38 to 43. I, I really only have time to read these words, uh, these verses, and let you ponder them. Exodus 29 and verse 38. Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. I want you to notice the word continually re repeating here. The one lamb shall thou offer in the morning, and the other lamb shall thou offer at even. And with the one lamb, a tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth, part of an hin of beaten oil, and the fourth part of an hin of wine for a drink offering. And the other lamb thou shalt offer at even, and shalt do thereto according to the meat offering of the morning, and according to the drink offering thereof, for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations. The fire never went out. At the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you, so to speak there unto thee. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified with my glory. Do you want to be sanctified? Do you want to have the holiness of God in your life? It brings us back to the altar, to the continual intercession of the Lord. 
What is sanctification? It is more of Christ in your life. That's what sanctification has to be. There is no sanctification without the Lord. He is the one who tabernacles with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Regeneration is God in the soul of man. It's God with us. And the way to have this communion, the way to have this fellowship, is to be employed at the altar, enjoying the merits, the power of the endless, endless victory of Calvary for your soul. What's the Lord saying here? Trust me, and I will continually cleanse you. That's what it is. Come to me, abide in me, and I will continually cleanse you. What about our conscience? Hebrews chapter 9 talks about the conscience of the worshiper. Sometimes people can't pray or worship because they've got a troubled conscience. That's because of sin. We have grieved the Holy Spirit. How do we deal with a guilty conscience, a troubled conscience, a dead conscience? How do we deal with the prayerless spirit that we often have? We come to the altar. We plead the continual interceding of our Lord Jesus. Where is he now? He's in heaven. He's in glory. He's interceding for us. Now I want to talk to you about the ashes under the altar. If you go back to verse 3 of the reading that we had there in chapter 27, uh, you'll notice, Thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes. I just can't deal with every item, but I want to deal with the, the ash pan. Actually, they're plural here. Thou shalt make his pans to receive the ashes. Now, can you get the picture? You have this uh, altar on a raised mound, and there's a ramp up where the Levites come with their sacrifices to put the meat and the offerings on the, the altar. On the other side, there's, it's like a, a cliff, and the ashes fall down through this grate of the altar, and they are retrieved on the other side. These ashes were continually cleared out and taken to a clean place outside the tabernacle. And they were the witness that death had taken place. They were the final testimony that the sacrifice had been consumed to ashes. And it's a bit like our Lord Jesus crying out on the cross, it is finished. The work is done. The suffering's over. And these ashes, they tell the story of the completion of the work. Nothing more is required. I'm accepted. Do you have that witness in your soul today? You know, we sing these glorious hymns, Accepted am I, accepted in my beloved. We have this New Testament statement that through Christ we're accepted. And that's, that's Paul the Apostle. He makes so much of those words, accepted in the beloved, all because the work is finished. God is satisfied. The ashes are taken out and left in an exposed, clean place right outside the, the tabernacle. God says it's enough. And you know, that's what brings peace to your heart when you come to the altar and you say it's enough. 
I don't need to do anything more. I don't need to add to this. I don't need some improvement upon what my Lord has done. I rest. I find my peace in the finished, consumed sacrifice of my Lord Jesus. I am satisfied with this. And that's what gives you peace, blessedness, joy in your own soul. Christ is enough. And if you can get on your knees and pray, Father, I know my Lord Jesus offered a sacrifice on the cross. It was enough for you. And Father, it's enough for me. And I will walk with you and I will draw near to you and I will worship you on the finished work of the cross. And I will enter in and serve you on the basis, the merits of the blood of the cross. Let me tell you, you'll have fellowship with God. You'll know what it is to walk with God. You will begin something of a deeper life. Another item that's mentioned in verse 3 are the basins. And they were used for storing the blood. Basins, of course, as I don't know if young people use the word basin today, simply means bowl. They were receptacles to hold the blood. Now, you may be wondering, what happened to all that blood of these sacrifices that were offered on the altar? Well, let's go back to chapter 24. I'll let the Bible speak here on this. Exodus 24, verse 5. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. 50-50. Can you picture the priest doing this? The animal is dying. They hold the basin under the very drain of blood. Half of it is going to go on the altar to be burnt. Part of the sacrifice is the blood. The other half is retained. And what does it say here in these verses? Uh, verse 7. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. And behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So some of that blood was on the people. And that was God's covenant, the blood mark. That is God's relationship with us. The blood was upon the people. How do you turn this into your daily devotions? How do you pray that you might be a, a child of God with the blood upon your life? Well, you simply play, Lord, put that blood on me. It's not going to happen physically. No, as the priest went around the people and put the blood upon them, you could physically see the blood stain on their garments, especially the priest in the white linen. Very obvious, the blood was upon them. Now, in some, you will not have this in a physical way, but in a spiritual relationship with God, your faith, your confidence, your walk is in the fact that the blood is upon you. And that means that all that the sacrifice stood for, you enjoy. 
Hallelujah! What victory this brings to the child of God! The blood is upon me. And you can get up in the morning and know that you're going to face temptation and face difficult things, and you can pray, Lord, put the blood upon me today. Let that blood be upon my walk. And you know, the, the saints we read in Revelation, they learned the lesson that they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb. And many of those saints were New Testament saints. So they weren't in this Levitical mode of worship by animal blood. But they learned, these saints in glory learned the lesson that they overcame the devil by the blood. That's our victory. That's how we do it. That's how we gain power. We plead the blood. Now, one more thing. The fact that there was only one altar for everybody. They did not build separate altars for each tribe or for each family. Or someone did not get out of fellowship and go off and build their own altar. This was a national altar for all the people of Israel. And God would meet with them on the terms of this one altar. That's why we as Christians today are what the world calls exclusivists. There's only one way to the Father for all men, Jew and Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. This is exclusive for those who will not believe, but it is our communion for believers. You and I worship God on the same terms, on the same cross, on the same Christ, on the same way of fellowship with God by the victory of Calvary. It's not that one person has one way and someone else has a better way and we're competing for, for, for the essentials and the best way to worship God. There is only one way. There's only one blood, one Savior, one church, one baptism, one faith. We are exclusivists to unbelievers, atheists, and those who mock the blood. But we embrace our brothers and our sisters. And as you read in the, in the epistles where they talked about uh, uh, the grace of God to all saints, all who are made holy and justified by the blood of Jesus, you're my brother, you're my sister. We are one in Christ Jesus. Let there be no division. Let there be no competition. Let there be no sense, well, he's a better Christian than I am, or he knows more than me. God loves him more than me. No, there's one way. And the joy of this, it's all yours. This is not cut up and carved up into little pieces. It's all yours. You have a whole Christ all to yourself. And I have a whole Christ all to myself. All of the blessings are mine. And we have one heart for one communion. And we invite all believers who love this Savior and this way of worship and invite them to join us, worship with us. In fact, we mourn when they're absent. We mourn when they are gone.
and we long for that union and communion of God's people. Now in the bulletin you've seen the gate. It's the widest gate imaginable. I'm not sure how they opened and closed it. Didn't have any garage door openers there. Uh, There was some kind of a, a pulley system or a string system. But they could open and close the gate. You'll notice the colors of the gate. All colors. It's inviting. It's inviting. You see, the tabernacle, while it was holy and sacred, and it shut out predators and ugly things, but it invited all sinners to come. And Maybe there's someone here today and say, you know, all this is, I have no part in this. Well, the gate is open to you, and you're invited in, but you must have a sacrifice. You must come via the altar. That's the first step. And if you will take Christ as your Savior, you're in. You become a worshiper. You're an Israelite indeed. Oh, I pray that your heart is indeed in love with him. May the Lord use this to make you a Mary, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to learn of him, to have a deeper devotional life. Oh, let us get beyond the shallow, empty, surface Christian life. Let us be a people of the altar, the cross, and pray through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining with us here at Let the Bible Speak and for this message today on the altar. In the Protestant church today, there is no altar because the Lord Jesus is the fulfillment of all the altars of the Old Testament. And every time that man worshipped God, they did come via an altar. And that teaches us that we need a mediator. We need the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who laid down his life upon the cross, who poured out his blood as our Redeemer. And we come to God now through the Lord Jesus. He is the way to the Father by the power of his precious blood. And yes, it's true, every time we pray, every time we approach God, we must come through the Lord Jesus, who is our altar. He has fulfilled every Old Testament type, every Old Testament picture in the altar. And today you have access to God through faith in the Lord Jesus. And I trust that your prayer life will be filled with uh, faith, confidence in the blood, the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus. And so if I can be of any personal help to you in your own walk with God, feel free to be in touch with me here at Let the Bible Speak. Coming up now are the announcements, details, and I trust that you will be encouraged to be in touch with us here or even come along to one of our services. We'd be happy to see you here at the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. This is Ian Gallagher. Thank you for joining with us. May the Lord bless you. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services, 
that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.